Hello and welcome to The Donfather, a family podcast about the Essendon Football Club. And just like the charity they've been given since their existence, once again, we go up to Western Sydney and are robbed in the dying stages of a game to cost us a well-deserved victory. Laura, how did you see the game? Oh, gosh. Another week of heartbreak from the Essendon Football Club where, you know, they go into state and, again, late to the party and then come back and right in the dying seconds you think there's hope and just as the final siren sounds, it's misery. Mm, mm. Well, there's a whole heap more positive than negative, I think, to take from this game. But once again, uh, we travel into state and come home without the chocolates, which is a very familiar pattern for us over the last several decades, I'll say, the last 20 years or so. Oh, definitely. Um, And, you know, we spoke a few weeks ago about these four winnable games and suddenly, well, you know, we're two, zero and two out of those four. So, um, yeah, I think we had some hope a few weeks back, but not loving what I'm seeing. Mm, Yeah, well, it's definitely telling us where we're at, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But having said that, in the last couple of games, we weren't really disgraced. We were well in both games and again against GWS, we could have very easily won that one. Um, particularly if, let's address the elephant in the room, if Cale Hooker had have been awarded the free kick he deserved when he got his arms chopped and his head chopped late in the game. I mean, he still has to go back and kick the goal, but certainly with 40 seconds to go, he takes his 30 seconds to line it up. And if it goes through, then I doubt very much where whether GWS get the chance to kick one. Well, yeah, definitely. It seems that we, we tend to get a bit unlucky um, in the in the dying stages when things happen like that, um, yeah. Mm, AFL FC, they you know they tend tend to get the rub of the green. But if we really want to be taken seriously as a serious football club, we can't afford to go into state and not turn up in the first quarter. This is something that hurt us against Port Adelaide, hurt us against Brisbane, and has consistently hurt us for a number of years. If you look back at our performances interstate, the vast majority of them were five or six goals down at quarter time, and we potentially match them or, or lose each other quarter by a goal, and we end up losing by, you know, eight or ten goals most of the time. And that was that was consistent again on the weekend. Our first quarter, we just didn't show up for large parts of it. Definitely. And it's really frustrating because, you know, like for the rest of the game, the the last three quarters, we're in it and we're competitive. And then it comes down to something like, you know, a mark that should have been paid or, you know, even if it was a free kick and we lose the game by two points. Whereas if they had have turned up in the first quarter, it could have been a very different story. Mm. And that's happened quite a few times over the years, but particularly this year where we could be in a very different position. Hmm. Having said that, um, and you know, there's there's mitigating circumstances, which I don't think are an excuse, but flying on the day of the game and that sort of thing, it, it does mess with your preparation a little bit, but I don't think you can use that as an excuse. It's just the nature of the industry right now that sometimes that's going to have to happen. So you need to be able to be, as Ross Lyon used to say, an anywhere, anytime team. Um, but, you know, that's something that you can forgive the players a little bit for. But nevertheless, um, I was pleased that even though we got smashed in that first quarter, we were able to stay in the game, hang in there, and then push them right to the end. And and having said that, twice they got out big leads, four or five goal leads, and we mm. were able to peg them back and, and get within a kick of the game. Yeah, definitely. I think there were definitely some really positive signs throughout the day. There was a few frustrating things, but yeah, there were definitely positive signs um, would have been nice if they could have got the win for Zach Merritt in his 150th game, but, um, you know, unfortunately wasn't to be. But I think overall we're seeing some good direction for the footy club um, and we're seeing some sort of game plan that is consistent um, and we're not seeing the kind of 
mishmash of crap that we were seeing over the last few years. So yeah, and positive. And they seem to change gears throughout the game, didn't they? They seem to be able mm. to put the against a team that's relatively evenly matched. They seem to be able to put the brakes on and then work their way back into the game methodically mm. rather than um, just play the same way and hope that your luck changes or the ball bounces your way or you get some favourable umpiring decisions. So that was um, a real positive in that over the last few weeks, we've been able to change the momentum, not necessarily mm. get right on top, but never really get blown away and be able to hang in the game when, when it's going against us and then work our way back in, which is something we've seen, you know, definitely because Essendon of Essendon of the past few years would have just let that be a blowout. You would have seen the um, like the heads down, the lack of confidence, and it would have just got worse and worse and worse. Whereas now they're at least able to, yeah, stop the momentum a little bit, come back in. Um, obviously, you know, there's still a few skill errors and a few silly decisions that impact. Um but overall, you can see the improvement in the team. Mm, mm. So why don't we take a little bit of a break and then when we come back, we'll have a chat about what some of our likes are and some of our dislikes. Okay, so before the break, we were just having a chat about the general run of the play, but it's time to jump into everyone's favourite segment, likes and dislikes. Laura, take it away. Uh, My first like was Kyle Langford. Um, I feel like he had a bit of a slow start, but as the game went on, he really stepped up at some pivotal moments, kicked a couple of really good goals. Um, He just... I really like his energy, I like his presence and I like the way that he can actually really lift the team when they need it and I don't think this is the first time we've seen it. He's definitely um, done that a few times um, mm. over you know, a few different games. So here's my number one like. Yeah, I really liked that he was poor early. He had he kind of had some kicks that had they come off, that would have really set up his game as a, as a really top-notch game. But mm. GWS were able to cut them off and, and particularly one early in the game in defence resulted in um in a goal for GWS. But um, I don't mind that he goes for that aggressive kick, trying to break the play open and open it all up. However, I, I agree with you. I like that he didn't drop his head, continued working into the game and then really was one of the two players that got us right back into the contest late. Kicked three goals in the second... I think even in the last quarter, it was all three, all three goals. But anyway... Kicked, definitely two in the last quarter. Two in the last and, and some really crucial ones. And I do... Mm. I agree with you. I like that he's becoming the, the type of player that you can rely on in a pressure situation to mm. kick you a goal or influence a contest. Because his particularly his last quarter was enormous. He was very clean with the ball, good decisions, and then finishing the good work further up the ground. So yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely a like for mine as well. I thought he had he, the not necessarily his game overall, but the fact that he worked his way right back into the game and, and mm-hmm. nearly snatched it for us. I was really happy with Kyle Langford. Definitely, yeah. My like was the performance of Matt Guelphie coming on as the injury replacement sub for Jake mm-hmm. Stringer. So I thought he his energy impacted the contest, kicked a really good goal, um, tackled hard, was really everywhere once he came on late in that third quarter. Um, so very, very pleased with, with Matt Guelphie. Yeah, he was going to be one of my likes as well. He just, as soon as he came on, really made his presence felt, was really hard at the ball, was really tackling hard. And like you said, that goal that he kicked, um, yeah, he was a really good one. I think it's a bit rough that he's continually the sub or getting dropped. I think the problem for Guelphie is that he, well, and we'll talk about this later on, but um, there hasn't been a spot in the midfield for him as yet, mm. although I feel like Will um, or Braden Ham is tiring a little bit, so maybe a chance to give him a rest and, and give Guelphie a run in, in Ham's role. But there hasn't been a spot in the midfield for him, and 
our defense overall has been really solid. And I don't know that we need that extra small defender when we've got Redman who can go both tall and small. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a, a matter of spots for him. And if he's not really on the top of his game, um, you know, it's a good thing to have around the club that you have to work hard to keep your spot. And I think having said that on his performance yesterday, I think he deserves to be in the 22 for next week against Fremantle, given that we're most definitely going to be missing Stringer. 100%. He had um, such an impact in that last quarter. Um, and I think, yeah, people having to play for their spot um, just stops that complacency and keeps people working hard um, to try and stay in the team, which can mm. only be a good thing. Yeah, well, particularly in, in his position, right? Like um, small midfielder, small defender, we're actually quite well stocked in that regard. He's not that big body inside mid that is a walk-up start. So, and he's not really, they haven't earmarked him to be able to play forward either. So um, even though he kicked a goal, it, mm. he we're just, our depth sort of centre and back of centre has been quite good this mm. far this year. So um, it's just a matter of spots for him. I don't think he's not in our plans going forward or anything like that. I, uh, I think he just, Needs to bide his time and get his spot. Mm, definitely. Mm. Um, so, a dislike for mine? Wait, I'm not finished with likes yet. You can't no, we'll jump to back dislikes. to him. We can we can jump in and out. It's likes okay. and dislikes. Not okay, likes, fine. then dislikes. Okay, fine. Whatever. So, a dislike for mine is our entry into forward 50. Oh, I, I feel like, yeah, there was just no structure in that forward line mm. at all. Um, and even, well, it was getting into forward 50. Didn't they lead the entries into forward 50? On yeah, stack? but they were, they were just coming straight back out again because well, our, yeah, exactly. we weren't hitting targets. They were just really poor entries inside 50. Yeah, exactly. There was no targets and there didn't seem to be any structure in that forward line. So when the ball went into the forward line, yeah, it just came straight back out. And I think uh, you could see what they were trying to do. They were trying to... Uh, really hit up a target. And so I don't know where the disconnect was. Were the forwards not leading? Was GWS really just dropping a man back? Not sure what was going on there. But you could see they were trying to lower the eyes and hit a target, but they just weren't executing really well. Mm. And ultimately, I think that's what cost us the game because those two runs that they had of five goals, they would we would enter forward 50 and they would just mark it, send it straight back to the other end, get a kick over the top, we'd be all at sea the other end and, and they'd kick a goal. Um, yeah. So, and their forward line just seemed to have so much structure and and every time it went down there, there was someone that was going to take the mark and kick the goal and we just didn't stand a chance. Well, that's the thing, right, is the way that we set up behind the ball, um, we actually pressed quite high in order to keep it in. But if you turn it over easily and then they can kick it straight over the top of your setup, you're really stuck behind the um, when the ball gets behind you. It's very easy for them to kick it over the top and, and get a player streaming into goal rather than um, giving yourself time to set up. Because if you get it inside 50, you have a shot. It either goes back to the middle because you've kicked a goal and you're getting momentum that way and also able to reset the ground. Or they're doing a kick in, which then again allows you to set up your structure and gives you a chance to push it back in. But mm. if they're ma- marking it sort of 35 metres out from goal, then suddenly they can rebound quickly. It's very hard to defend. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that's it, it's clear that they're working on it and it's clear that the players were trying. It wasn't like Carlton last week where they were just bombing it in, mm. but we just either weren't picking the right options or not executing well, or the forwards weren't getting their leading patterns right. Mm. Um, but it was better than last week, I have to say. So yep. being a dislike and what ultimately I think cost us the game, um, I think it's being worked on, which is something that uh, yeah. we couldn't have said in previous years. We, we couldn't have seen the progression in previous no, years. No, definitely. I think, though, it is becoming evident over the last few weeks, particularly that it is the forward line where we're really falling down. Like I think we've got a really solid defence. Our mids are really starting to work well together and now the final piece of the puzzle is that forward line um, that we really need to to get working well. And I wonder how much of that is because we had kind of, you know, the Danaher, Fantasia. Um, 
as as big plans for that forward line and maybe being a bit up in the air over the last couple of years about if they were in or if they were out, um, you know, causing a little bit of disruption now and, and now they're just trying to find their feet and where the forward line sits without them. Well, and also part of that is that Hooker was training as a defender all preseason and, and mm. Hurley gets injured late or, you know, he who'd been training as a forward. Um, he gets injured. Hooker gets thrown forward. Oh, Her- uh, was Hurley on the plans for the forward? Yeah, Hurley, as far as I understand from preseason, it was going to be playing the role that Hooker's been playing now. Right. And Hooker was supposed to be playing the role that James Stewart's playing. Right. Um, and then, you know, obviously barring injury, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's a little bit tough when Hurley and I imagine two meter Peter and probably Harry Jones were working on their chemistry all preseason and then late in the preseason hooker gets thrown forward and they've got to work on the chemistry, which is, mm. you can see it's starting to get better. Two meter Peter's putting in some better performances. He had a good game on the weekend again. So he's improving. Harry Jones nearly stole it for us in the last quarter again. So mm. it's getting better. Uh, mm. I just think that, it needs a little bit of time for the keys. Um, and I think we're probably going to see Alec Waterman come in to play that medium forward that Stringer was playing. Is he injured or is he just been dropped? And uh, I think he got a knock in the twos. He, he got dropped initially, but I think he got a knock in the twos last week because we had a mm-hmm. bye this week. So mm-hmm. hopefully he's right to come in because I think... You're never going to replace Jake Stringer, but I think he's the similar type of player. So it's mm. almost a like-for-like replacement into the forward line. Mm. But the midfield is um, is a different story, the clearances. Yeah. Um, Speaking of forward lines, this is going to be a very controversial like. Um, I actually quite like that we've not got Fantasia and Danaher around the club um, mm. and possibly Saad because I just think how I wonder how much they were contributing to the to the culture. I mean, Essendon Football Club is well known has like some culture had some culture issues that Truck is trying to improve. But you know, I can only imagine what it's like as a team and as a teammate when you have these people that are on the fence about staying or going. And it was a good couple of years that there was talk about Fantasia and Danaher and are they going to stay? Are they not? Mm. Um, so, yeah, like for mine or for me is that they're not around the club because I feel like now we've got a bunch of players that do want to be there mm. and that are playing for the club and now have the opportunity to build on that team culture. Mm. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's certainly becoming more and more evident. And a couple of the interviews that, that Zach Merritt gave over the week, given his uh, 150th build-up, um, certainly all the messaging coming from the players that I've been hearing is it's about unity and they, they're working together. They're united on for their goals. They all want to achieve success. They all want to get better. And that, that kind of indirectly says a lot about the people that have left in recent years that, Mm. um, you know, they may not have been the problem, but um, when you're sort of the class clown, as I imagine Danaher and perhaps Fantasia were, um, sometimes that can be disruptive mm, to a group. Definitely. And I, they weren't necessarily the problem. Um, and it could just be coincidence that they leave and suddenly you have a strong leader like Rutten come in and be able to take the reins. It, mm. It's certainly possible that they could have bought in just as much. Um, but, you know, the, the two things have happened concurrently and f- whether it's their fault or not, it's a good thing that it's, that it's appeared to be better now. Mm, absolutely. So any more, any dislikes? I've got some more likes, actually. Go for it. Mason Redman. Very much like. I just, love the red dog. And that yeah, goal. Oh, my gosh. Definitely seeing the Redman of old. Uh, definitely got another potential All-Australian. Not this year. Let everyone calm down. But by the end of his career, absolutely. Mm. I think he could potentially be one of the best running medium-sized halfbacks in the game. Mm. I think he has that potential. I'm really yeah. liking the body of work he's putting together this season. I really like it. I love his goal was so exciting. Like even if you listen to the commentary, they were like, there's no way this is going to happen. The, I think the mark was like 55 metres out. Um, but aside from the goal, like, you know, as an isolated thing, 
I just love his celebration. I love you can just tell that he bleeds red and black. Yeah. Um, the way that he goes about his footy, the way he pumps up his teammates, um, just all of it. I just really love Mason Redmond as a player. I, I feel like he's a he's the good kind of class clown that you want. Yeah. He's definitely. he's just one of the lads. He he gets the um he gets the group together. He you can tell he enjoys his footy. Yeah, I I hope Mason Redmond is a one club player and that club is Essendon. Yeah, um, definitely. I can't say enough. I, I hope he plays every week. Um, mm. And the more he plays, the better form he's going to be. Yeah. Similar to his mate down back there, uh, Jaden Laverde, who has really uh, given his career a new lease on life. The, yep. And I think we always knew he had ability. It's just his body never allowed him to show us that ability for long periods of time. He was so um, unlucky, wasn't he, with injury? Very, very unlucky. But the fact that he has been turned into or turned himself into um, a really good intercepting defender, similar to what Paddy Ambrose did a couple of years ago, except mm. athletic is not the right turn, more explosive and mm. more attacking than Paddy Ambrose was. Paddy Ambrose mm. was a great or potentially still is a great shutdown defender, but mm. Laverde seems to be able to do that. And um, What about he... that mark that he took in the back line? Yeah, cracking. That... Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, Jaden Laverde is another one of my likes. He just has a really good presence in the back line. And, um, yeah, I really hope that his body stays fit. And, and you can tell his confidence is growing. Yeah, definitely. So I think with him, Francis and Ridley, um, there's some really good intercept marking, attacking weapons that we've got. Mm. You throw in uh, a James Stewart, who's who's got a good pair of hands. He he's working his way back into some some form, so I'm I'm happy mm. to give him another game or two. Yeah, I didn't love what I saw from him on the weekend. He did struggle a little bit, but I'm you know with the amount of football he's missed, I'm I'm okay with that. Mm. Um, it's just that some of those things were quite costly in terms of where and how. But they are going to be costly when you're the, the key defender and you're yeah. the last line of defence. It, it's not like he's sitting in the forward line where he can make those mis- mistakes and not necessarily punish us. Mm. They're certainly in the positions where it is costly. Yeah. So, um, I you know, he his performance wasn't great, but I'm hoping he'll get better. But mm. I think, as we've been saying for a number of weeks, that back line is really starting to gel. And it's going to be difficult to break into. It's what you know. Guelphie had a good game, but he needs to break into that back line. Zerk yeah. Thatcher needs to break into that back line. There's there's quite a number of players that could potentially be getting games at other clubs that aren't because right now our defence is performing really, really well. Mm, definitely. Mm, so that's working well together. I've got a big dislike. Yes, tell me. Harry Perryman. That was that's not his name, Harry. Oh, isn't it? That's not his name at all. His name is wait, let me just um do a little search. He wears number thirty one. Can you like give me some music this week? It is Harry Perryman. No, it's not Harry Perryman. It's Oh, it's the other Perryman. It's Jared uh no, it's not Perryman. You're thinking of Harry Himmelberg, but it's not him. No, Himmelberg wasn't the one. Of, you're thinking of Jeremy. Oh, Finlayson. Yeah, yeah, that yes, guy. That, he was my dislike. Oh, what a like, scumbag. Oh, my and God. Watch him get a fine. Watch him oh get gosh. a fine. He will absolutely get off. He will not get any weeks for that because it's hitting an Essendon player behind play. If that was Dylan Shield, Zach Merritt, anyone, that would get six weeks. But at old AFLFC, he will not even miss a game. Guarantee it. So I have a couple of things about this incident that are a dislike for me. And that is Jeremy Finlayson. Yes. Yeah, so you're, uh, you're so irrelevant. I don't even remember who you are. So, and also his tat's disgusting, but that's besides the point. He just has a face that looks like he would be a scumbag. He's missing and, teeth. He is a scumbag. And, he probably goes for Collingwood, even though he plays for GWS. Well, possibly, but... You know, like, what a dog act, right? And and the fact that they're like, oh, he might just get a fine. Like, he ran at um, Zach Merritt. With his away, elbow raised. With his elbow up, away from the ball. Like, the ball was nowhere near where Zach Merritt was. That is sniping. And 
he should get weeks for that, at least three, but I don't think that he will. But my other dislike around this is that there was no consequence from the Essendon players. And we had yeah. this conversation and I don't know if it's because it was behind play and the ball had already gone forward, but at no point during the game was there any um, consequence for him. There was no the biff. Players. There was no retaliation. Not at all. Not at all. So, and who knows, maybe they didn't see it and maybe Red, uh, Redmond, maybe Merritt doesn't complain about it. But I'll tell you what, if I'm truck and you want to get some camaraderie around the group, you bring him in at quarter time and you say, that Finlayson, whenever you get the chance, make sure you make him know about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that really gets some galvanization in the group. And it lets you know that your teammates are, are going to have your back. They're not yep. going to let you get sniped behind the play and not have consequences. Definitely. Um, I mean, like Devin Smith roughed him up a little bit, but, mm. you know, he's bloody twice the size of Devin Smith. So, um, yeah, I really didn't like that at all. And, and we haven't really seen that from – and what made me angry was a few years ago, Carlton did the same thing to Goddard mm. and no one came and helped him out. No one yeah. remonstrated. No one, And I think – that's probably the missing piece for Essendon or one of the missing pieces mm. is that, and maybe that player is Sam Draper and we just need him in the team and, and fit, right? I mean, but, that was a Danaher. Danaher would have gone and done a bit of that kind of. Yeah. And I think, I think the club needs that. And it doesn't have to be dirty. It doesn't have to be hitting behind play like that scumbag. But I think the players for themselves, they need to protect each other because mm. that builds camaraderie around the group for sure definitely definitely so he was a big dislike Mm. i had one more dislike tell me the length of time it took them to sub jake stringer out of the game Mm. that took a really long time he got injured i'm pretty sure it was in the first quarter if not the first early in the second and it took them into the fourth quarter to bring wealthy on and i think there was a lot of time wasted with jake stringer either sitting in the forward pocket unfit yeah, or off the ground when they could have just brought Guelphy in sooner. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you need to make that call early. Like he clearly got injured early in the second. Um, you actually saw the moment when he took that mark. Yeah, and then, and then that was a bit ginger. Goal. Yeah. But they should have subbed him straight away. Guelphy's sitting on the bench ready to go. And I think potentially playing one man down for – for two quarters Mm. um, may have cost us the game because you don't have, he's not going into the midfield to stop any momentum when they're kicking that spade of goals in the third. Mm. Um, You're better off subbing him, having Guelphy in, get him going. Yeah, definitely. Um, But overall for a game that looked like we were going to get smashed and we're able to stick to our system and work our way back into the game. I was pretty pleased at the end. I wasn't at the end of first quarter. It's very interesting listen, listening to you sit here with this positivity about the game because um, I think about 15 minutes into the game, there was a message into the group chat and it said, we are finished. And um, the attitude around the living room as the game was playing did not display this positivity that is coming from your mouth right now. Well, but even the commentators said um, early in that quarter that, like, this game has a stink about it. This looks like the Bombers are going to get smashed. And that certainly did. And Mm. that was the biggest positive I took from that game was that we were able to turn that momentum around and lose the game by less than a kick Mm. in controversial circumstances where we probably should have won, right? Yes. So, the well, when I say we should have won, it's clear when you let when you don't turn up in the first quarter and then you have a lapse in the third quarter when you let them twice get out to a five-goal lead, you don't deserve to win, right? So there was yeah. lots of things that we could have worked on. But the fact that that happened early and we worked our way back into the game happened again and we worked our way back into the game, that for me is a positive. Yes, would I have liked Essendon to win? Yes. Would I have liked us never to have those lapses? Yes. But in a development year when your team is filled with a lot of young players, uh, it's it's a positive thing to be back in the game. Mm, definitely. No, so I agree. Two... I was just um, just having a little joke with you. Mm-hmm. Wasn't funny. Well, you know. 
So there's two more things before we uh, close out this segment that we sh- probably should touch on, given that there's a bit of talk around about that. I think I was really happy with Merritt, not Merritt, um, Merritt was excellent. Parrish was excellent. I was really happy with McGrath's game. I thought, again, similar to our entries into the forward line, it's very clear he worked out that he was rushing last week and mm-hmm. has decided to have a bit more composure or worked on his composure. So mm-hmm. um, very pleased with the change in McGrath this week. Wasn't a perfect game, but better, definitely better. Um, and the other one is Heppel. What mm. do you think about the captain? Oh, I don't know. Um, Heppel is definitely copying it from a lot of people. Mm. Um, look, I have made a few comments here and there about Heppel as well. I just, the thing about it is, I'm just going to put my human hat on for a minute and just, you know, I get a bit, upset when people say things about people forgetting the fact that they're actually human beings and that nobody goes out there to deliberately do a bad job. Mm. So that's my qualifier. But um, I'm not sure how I feel about Heppel. There seems to be a lot of mistakes happening around Heppel and I don't know if it's that it's too fast around him, he's rushing too much, whether he needs to be in a different position. I'm not sure. I think Heppel has missed two full years of football and he just, you know, for me, this year, like the rest of them, is essentially a development year for Heppel in my mind Mm. and we'll know later in this year, getting into next year, whether he is slowing down a little bit. But I, for me, I think I'm happy to cut him some slack this year because he's just been, his body's been through the ringer the last two years, hasn't been able to get mm. on the park, hasn't been able to get consistent training, has been rehabbing, surgery, all that sort of stuff. So for me, I'm happy to cut him some slack this year, um, see where he is towards the back end of the year and mm. what might happen going forward. Do you think Dyson Heppel is the captain of the football club next year? I think so, yeah. Really? Yeah. I think uh, if he is fit then he stays as captain. Potentially if Merritt re-signs, then there's a chance that they take the captaincy or Heppel relinquishes the captaincy, focuses on his footy um, in a similar way to what Heard did with Lloyd and then what Lloyd did with Job, I think. Mm. was it Or was it O'Donnell with Heard and Heard with Lloyd? Um, there's a potential for him to give up the captaincy, continue playing in his own role, Mm. Um, focus on that, still be a leader. Obviously, you, you're not going to, it's it's ingrained in Heppel. He's not going to stop being a leader, but mm. take that pressure of captaincy off him. It is a potential for next year, but I think I think they give him another year to captain mm. the football club, definitely. Yeah, I sit on the fence. I don't know how I feel about Heppel. Like I said, you know, like you just said, he has missed a lot of footy. I just feel bad that he's copying it so hard from a lot of people, a lot of supporters. Um yeah, but at the I, same, yeah, there comes a lot of pressure with being captain to really, it's almost like you're never allowed to make a mistake. Yeah, I think that's premature. I think people have forgotten just how much football he's missed mm. in the last two years. Yeah. And I don't think you would be uh, hanging it on him if he'd come back from two continuous, two knee reconstructions in a row, right? So, yeah, that's right. And he's, he's missed essentially the same amount of football yeah. As, and the club probably mismanaged him, to be honest, mm. um, getting him to play to try and win Essendon a final two years ago. Mm. Um, was that two years ago or three years ago? Two years ago, 2019. So, um, you know, I think I think he deserves a little bit more slack, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But, yeah, overall, pretty pleased with the performance, as, as pleased as you can be with a loss, mm. um, which, you know, we're – seeming to say quite a bit this year but I just I never I just don't understand how we're never on the good side of those controversial decisions like no never you know it doesn't seem that way does it never ever that well that was a clear freak I mean it's still a difficult kick from there it's still 35 minutes so it doesn't guarantee that we win the game it's not like it was in the goal square right like the rampy one but um but the momentum and then he misses and it's still down our end like would have been a game changer yeah, well, there was only there was only about forty seconds left at mm. that point, yeah, because um, Langford got the goal really quickly, and then there was only four seconds on the clock. So, um, it it certainly 
that incident or that non-call certainly was a deciding factor in the result. There's, there's mm. no question. Oh, absolutely. Whether we win, who knows? But it's, yeah, it does seem like we're always on the wrong end mm. of the controversial decisions, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, we definitely are. So why don't we take a little bit of a break? And then when we come back, I think Matthew's jumping in to chat about uh, the upcoming game with the Dockers. Yeah, we will see, or you will see Maddie after the break because I'm jumping out and Matt's jumping in. All right, we'll chat then. So before the break, we had a good chat about the uh, GWS game. And now uh, Matthew joins me uh, after a couple of weeks hiatus to discuss the game ahead against Fremantle. Thank you, mate. It's good to be back. Uh, obviously, just on a school camp last week. And oh, then, uh, but you're not at school. I know, I know. Um, it's like they're going to put me in charge of educating the next generation or something like that. Oh, so we are in big trouble then. We're in big, big strife. Um, well, I was <laughs> camp and then I missed another one, didn't I? Um, I think I uh, missed... I actually didn't get a chance. I, mean, I was playing at the same time the Bombers were, so I didn't get a chance to uh, watch the game. And you'd already done the review by the time uh, I got over to the replay. So, but it's good to be back. Um, obviously, two disappointing losses since we last spoken. Um, but uh, some, I'm, I'm sure you spoke about in the review that uh, some, or at least uh, some disappointing uh, officiating calls uh, didn't help us, but uh, we're still on the right track. Absolutely some disgraceful calls. Tell me, in what game of football can you get punched in the back of the head while attempting a spoil and not have it paid a free kick? Uh, only when you're wearing innocent jumper. That's right. That's, that's right. That's uh, Disgraceful. Disgra- but yeah. we digress. We've already, we've already chatted about this in the past, which is also the future because the episode's coming out later. You'll listen to it and you'll see. Right now, we're here to talk about the game coming ahead against Fremantle. What do you think? Well, it's another one of those um, yardstick games. And, and like, uh, say, uh, like it was against Sydney, yep. where we're not actually up against an opponent where it's, you know, it's a boys versus men scenario and we're, mm-hmm. um, you know, gallant in defeat or valiant, whatever, whoever you want to, uh, whatever word you want to use. But this is a, you know, this is a genuine yardstick game. We can actually see where we're at in the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Stringer went down with a bit of an injury, didn't he? So that's going to hurt. Um, it will, but it's a good opportunity. It's a really yeah, good opportunity. Yeah, exactly someone. right. Um, and I think it, it keeps Mac Welf in the side, who I think is the stiffest man in the country to be missing out. Well, he had a really good game when he came on, so I'd, I'd be very surprised if he got dropped. Yeah, I, I don't think he should have been the, the man to go anyway, but that's a different story. Uh, but yeah, this is a yardstick game. This is a game uh, that we can measure where we're at. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's it's a game, like you say, where we get a fair crack at a win because the age group of our of our two teams is very close. Yeah, and we're probably, I mean, maybe like Sydney, Freo might be just a year ahead of us. Mm. Uh, but having said that, the, the way our youngsters have, have um, performed this year, you know, certainly... They've shown that they're up to it in only seven or eight or eight games. So mm. it's yeah, not, not much more to it than that. It's a real yardstick game. This is a genuine, uh, this is a genuine test for us. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, and and two or two young coaches as well. I mean, Longmuir mm. and and Rutten. So I really like Longmuir. I, I think he's I think he's got what it takes to be a really good quality coach. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm saying that. I can't. I was speaking to someone uh, during the week or last. Actually, no, it was. Um, I was just a random, random guy at the bar. Actually, actually against Carlton, and yep. he was a, he was a Collingwood supporter. Yep. Um, and we were speaking about Bucks, and I made the point that I, I think you know great players often you know Lee Matthews is probably the exception to the rule, but quite often great players. Um, there'd be some some other exceptions if you go back through the eras as well. Um, like. 
Barassi and, and etc. Um, mm. But the more modern the game becomes, it seems to be like the, the better the player you are, or the closer to the elite bracket you are, the harder time or the less success you might experience as a coach. And I think mm. the reason for that is you, you know, like someone like Buckley who f- physically gifted, and it's not to take away from his, you know, the skill and the and the, and the mm. way he could play the game, but uh, for someone like an Alistair Clarkson or a Longmuir or even a Rutten um, who weren't blessed with those great genetic physical attributes, mm. um, they really had to think and, and work their way into the game. So they had to know the game inside and out and really be methodical in their approach to it. And I think that's what carry overs to being a great coach. So mm, uh, two in that boat. Um, very, very promising to hear what Zach Merritt had to say during the week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the entire club being on the same page. Mm. Um, and that's uh, that's very encouraging to hear. And, and I think that is reflecting on the field. And it's yep. confirming what we have, what we think we've been seeing and that we're seeing a very, an Essendon group that feels very together and, mm. and bought into to sort of one one vision and one, one aim. So, yeah, I like um, it. I do like it a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's a, it's a it, yeah. As we've said for the past five minutes, it's a great matchup for us and it's going to be one that really shows us where we're at and, and where we're going. Um, where yeah. are, Where is this game won for us? So, I, I, I mean, it, I, I don't know if they have an area of the ground where they're clearly better than us. Mm. Um, now, the only problem is if, if Fife, uh, you know, decides to have a week where he decides to kick straight and we don't have an answer for him. But I, and, and this goes back to, again, what we were saying in previous episodes, that this is um, like for this Jaden Laverde experiment, which is paying off massive dividends at the moment, it's players like Fife. Um, who we want Laverde to be able to stop when they roll forward. I think Laverde, on his form, you didn't watch yesterday's game yet. I think Laverde is going to give Fife a bath. Well, I hope so. I hope you're right. I think we either have Laverde or Francis on Fife. Um, I think we go Stewart to... Who's their big guy? Tabernar? Um but I think, yeah, we probably go Laverde to Fife and then Francis on whoever their other key forward is and allow Ridley to, to roam free. But, yeah, I'm I'm actually excited. I hope Laverde goes to Fife because I'm excited to see how he performs in that situation. Yeah, and I think it's only good for his development. Like we were saying, uh, I mean, with the way he's playing, he might be a back, you know, forever. But mm. um, certainly if he does go back to his sort of uh, what we originally had planned for him in being a sort of mid-forward the power, yep. uh, similar to a Jake Stringer or a Nat Five type, mm. um, you know, great learning experience to play on someone of probably doesn't, you know, uh, I mean, the only guy probably in front of him is Dustin Martin, and you could argue, um, you could argue either way on that. So, mm. yeah, a great a look, a great a, um, a great lesson for him. But yeah, like I was saying, I don't think there's actually near the ground where we're clearly better or they're clearly better, I think it's going to come down to execution on the day mm. and just who can execute their system and, and method of playing uh, better and also shut down uh, and prohibit the other from playing the way they want to play. So, uh, Which mm. is what you what you really practice over the preseason is uh, stopping an opponent's game plan and executing your own. So, um, I think the yeah. advantage we have is it's played at Marvel not at Optus. And I think that probably gets gives it a 55-45 hour way, to be honest. Um, I don't think it's any bigger an advantage than that. And I think probably similar for Optus. Although given the way that we travel, probably it would have turned into a 60-40 their way. Um, so that's a positive in that regard. I think where it's one for mine is our execution going inside forward 50. Mm, yeah. I yeah. think if we can clean up our disposal and th- they've certainly worked on it and we could see the fruits of that yesterday that the kicks weren't working, but they were lowering their eyes. They definitely weren't bombing it in. They were just lowering their eyes and hitting a GWS player. But if, if we can execute that part of the game really well, I think we win. If we don't, then I think we're in trouble. 
because Frio have quite a bit of speed. So if if the game ends up similar to what it did yesterday with them getting out and over the top, I think they'll have a good day, Frio. So it's it's about our efficiency hitting targets inside forward fifty. Yeah, fair point. And I think you know even going back to John Worsfold era, that's been our issue the entire time is mm-hmm. how, how we go inside forward fifty. Um, yep. But having said, in the last two weeks we've kicked well three. I think against Collingwood as well, we've kicked over a hundred points. Mm-hmm. Um, my memory is currently failing me prior to that, um, but we've scored well. So, but I, I do I do agree. Um, that's always been our problem is how we enter inside forward fifty, um, and then you know I think when you are because you know we can dominate games for periods, uh, so we can dominate games for a long period of time, get repeat inside forward fifties. Not score or not or not make the opposition pay, and then we get hurt on the rebound, and you know they they'll kick a goal against us, but in reality it's almost a you know the one rebound goal is almost worth two. Yeah, it's a twelve um, point turnaround, right? Because yeah. and that happened a lot yesterday. Is that we'd bring it inside forward, and same against Carlton, they'd bring it out, take it all the way down the other end because we'd set up with the forward press, they'd get over the top, and they'd kick a goal, and it is it's a twelve point difference. It's not a six point difference. Yeah, well, I'm and I'm only going. I, I'm. Uh, Yet to watch a GWS game, um, which I was planning to do after this, but <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I, I'm sure it was the same issue. That um, and, and look, full credit to Carlton, and I'm assuming GWS as well, and that they were stopping us from uh, looking inside forward fifty the way we wanted to, and using it the way in, into forward fifty the way we would have wanted to. Like Carlton mm-hmm. did a really good job after half time of saying, "No, you actually have no option." But to kick it long down the line, and we're going to sit one back and, and try and take a mark, or at least mm. not let your boys jump and run at it and do what you want to do with it. So, mm. um, but having said that, if you can execute quickly and not allow them to set up, um, that's when we can get those good looks inside forward fifty, and 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 get the uh, results that we want. So, mm. yeah, like I said, I, I think yeah, I think we're in agreement. So it's all about execution on the day and and just doing what we want to do and not letting them stopping us from doing it. That's right. And I think in the in the reverse, where the game's lost is if we if we drop our efficiency, if we don't use the ball well, if we don't pick the right targets, if we don't hit the right targets, then I think Fremantle will have a field day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's encouraging to see that you know, against GWS, we did look uh, not, you know, against Carlton, Got under a bit of pressure. We went back to that sort of just bomb it inside full fifty, get it in long to hooks and stuff like that. Who, who Carlton played it smartly enough and and contested. It's good to hear that we've actually shown development and saying no, we're not going to just get under the the pressure of a game and, and result to that. No, we're going to look inside four fifty. We're going to try and hit a target. Yeah, hey, it may not work every time. We're a young side and we're still developing that ability and and building chemistry. Uh, granted, and I'll, I'll say it again. I've always said it that I'm really happy that the club doesn't use that as an excuse. Mm. Um, but it it is good to see that there is actually stuff going on behind the scenes to show that we're progressing away from okay, just doing the things that we've always done when we've got under pressure and they haven't worked for us. So we're actually trying to show development and progression in the way we want to play, and it will mm. pay off eventually. Absolutely, I agree a hundred percent. So. Let's have a look at the lineup from yesterday. And we've got one big out. And for me, that is Jay Stringer. He definitely will not be playing. So who comes in? Well, uh, Guelph's probably the obvious one. Uh, mm. Some saying Braden Ham. He poor. was poor yesterday. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I look, that's all right. I like, you know, being. It's what I think he's had. I'm pretty. I've been pretty happy with his performance of the last seven weeks. Definitely, maybe yep. dropped off a little bit in the last couple, um, but adjusting to a new role, getting into the uh, brutalities of a season, and uh, he, you know, I, I dare say he's not used to sort of being crashed into and tackled all day. He was comes from being an outside sort of player background, um, so maybe that's just catching up to him a little bit. Mm. Um, but you know, do you drop a young guy like that just off one bad game? Uh, he looked, to me, he looked sore. Okay. Yeah, to me, he looked sore. So, I, if it was me, I would probably have Ham out and start Guelphie and then 
if he's fit, Waterman in for um for Stringer. Okay. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, do they run one or two Ruckman? They've, I know they've got Sean Darcy. Who's their second Ruckman? Uh, there's, yeah, there's t- uh, Roy Lobb might roll through there as well at some stage. Uh, is he back in the team? Yes, he is. So there's a chance that we um, actually go with two Rucks. We bring in um, Nick Bryan instead. but Because um, I was surprised that he got dropped straight away. Well, I'm not surprised given um, we were playing against the big sausage. But... Um, yeah, I wonder if either they bring in Lob for Phillips or, or not Lob, uh, Brian for Phillips, or they run two Ruckman. But I think probably the one that makes the most sense is Waterman for Stringer. Yeah, yeah. Well, if if Ham is in fact uh, due for a rest, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I've just got a bit of a man crush on on Guelphie because his name's also Matt. I, I'm not sure, but I really, I really, I really think it is. I really rate him. I really, yeah. really rate him. I I really liked his performance. I I was surprised when he got dropped, and I really rated his performance yesterday when he came on. And if he comes in with that same intensity, and maybe as I was talking about with Laura, as you'll hear in the future, that he's also the past. Um, that he he's probably just a little bit stiff in that we don't need that extra small defender, and Ham has been playing in the other role that you could put Guelphie in. Um, and he's not really a forward, right? He's not a small forward. So um, with a couple of injuries, that maybe opens up the spot for him. But I'd like to bring in Waterman, if he's fit, to replace that medium forward that we have in the forward line when Jake Stringer's out. Yeah, and, and fair enough. Um, yeah, look, uh, we've said this before about, before about Guelphy. He is like very good at everything, but doesn't have an exact strength. Yes. Um, he, he doesn't really have a position, does he? No, no. And and can really say, because he can play, uh, but like he doesn't have a strength to play to. He just sort of does, you know, whatever he's, needs to be done, he can just sort of do. He's, um, he's got AFL level skills and he's hard at the footy. Yeah. But take a mark big, overhead. He's not big enough to be a key position player. Yeah. Um, and so he's the kind of player that because he is so general, it's a bit like Nathan Lovett Murray right, in that he's so general, he can do everything, that he actually never just settles into a position. Yeah, and I think that's why he finds himself so stiff as well, like to not yep. get selected, uh, is that he doesn't actually have a strength to, to play to. Mm. Um, His strength is that he has no weaknesses, right? Yeah, exa- exactly right. You know, he's not fast, but he's not slow. He's yep. got IQ, but he's I wouldn't say he's the smartest player out there, but he's yep. certainly smart enough. That he, he, you know, you confident, you're confident when he's got the ball or he's defending, and um, he's got good skills without being an elite kick or handball. Like he's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. just a generalist. Yeah, and, he can mark overhead without you yeah. know being a big contested player. He can, yeah. yeah, like you said, he can hold himself in contested situations without being an absolute beast on the inside. Um, he just does everything, doesn't he? Like yeah, and that I think that's why he does find himself um, pretty stiff come selection time. So I really hope he's in the side. Um. Yeah, I, I would agree with those. Two. I I think Brian. It's it's a tough. I mean, he he looks I he looks AFL already uh, against mm. Carlton. Um, I'm happy I, for him to bide his time and to to get his opportunities later. I mean, Phillips had a really good game, really good game against Mumford, and maybe um Phillips knows that he's going to play one week and not the other, depending on. You know, development that that's okay too, as long as he's okay with that role. But um, yeah, I think Phillips would be stiff if we dropped him. But having said that, I I want to get games into Brian, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I uh, it's hard because like like for Nick Brian, for example, against Carlton, you know, he at centre bounce is fantastic. Around the ground, probably got beaten up a, a fair bit, a little bit by yeah. by. Um, Pitnet, and I'm sure that would have been the case against the Mumford um, if he had played. So I'd, I'd, I, I, I mean, in terms of how the club has taken a stance towards young players, it is you come into the side when you're ready to perform and actually play at this level. We're not going to just gift games for the sake of saying, "Well, you're young." No, you're going to mm. come in. You're actually you're going to. We need you to play well. This is yeah. we need you to perform in this side. So mm. that's that's my only uh, in. <laughs> Inhibition is that the right word or uh, yeah. thing against Nick Bryan that 
he look, he's certainly got traits where he's, you know, uh, AFL ready. And there's, there's some areas of his game where um, just needs more time to mature. Yeah. Um, and and I don't think that's a you know it's not, he's not he's only nineteen. Is he even twenty twenty yet? Like, uh, might be twenty, maybe. Okay, yeah. I mean, if he's going to yeah battle a, a 23, 24 year old Sean Darcy, who is mm. was always a big boy, um, a Roy Lobb, who's you know, uh, he's a, very, a near, a near very veteran. Seasoned. Yeah, he's a big boy. Um, I you know I'd I'd rather play Phillips, play someone who's ready to perform, look to win and develop that brand of footy, uh, a winning brand of footy, um, than just play someone for the sake of we've got to get games into them. Um, so we do. We need a win. Yeah, yeah, we I do. We, for, for the camaraderie of the group, we need a win. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I'm just in terms of the Phillips Brian debate. I think you just go with Phillips. He's in, He's form. in good form. Yeah, he gives us the best chance to compete and, and perform and win. Yeah. Um, and you know, like we, the club has taken a stance that we're not going to give players games just because they're young. We want them to come in and perform. Yep. I think Phillips at the moment is just ahead of Brian um, in terms of pure ruck craft. So I think mm-hmm. I think he plays. Yep, I agree. I agree. Um, and yeah, like I said before, I think Waterman in for Stringer, and potentially the only change I would I would think would be you know unforced change is maybe Ham for Guelphie. Um, there's potential that they don't bring Waterman in and play Ham and leave Guelphie in the team. Um, if they think that's balanced enough, um, I'd be happy with that as well. Yeah, yeah, me too. I just uh, hope, I mean, another 35 game, oh, pardon me, another 35 disposal game uh, from Darcy. So let's hope they don't they don't uh, opt to swing him forward. Keep him on the nut. Keep him in the middle. But yeah, um, yeah like we were saying, I think overall, if we execute execute inside fifty, I think we're that goes a long way to us winning this game. I think it's a well, it's a it's a genuine fifty fifty game. It's evenly matched. On on our day, we can beat them. On their day, they can beat us. So a really good test um, for our football club, and especially back at home in front of the home fans, sitting in our brand new seats designated for the very first time. Exciting, very very exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Um, yeah, I, I look. I just really hope we come out and actually perform. We don't get a Hawthorne-esque or a Port mm. Adelaide or something like that. I hope you know they do actually come out and and uh, look to play. Um, yeah, I'm increasingly more confident that that will be the case. Yeah, look, and that's probably been the the best thing about uh, watching this side is that we haven't we've, we've shown consistency in performance. Yes, we've made errors and things haven't gone our way and there's things we could do better and, and stuff like that. But, you know, in general sense, we've been pretty consistent in terms of developing our own game style. Our effort's always been there. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's only been a handful of times where against top-class sides, we've just looked Terrible. abysmal. But, you know, to be expected with being the youngest side in the comp. So I'm really happy with the consistency and that's, that was always going to be a biggest issue. So consistency uh, of effort is there and consistency throughout games is getting there. It's getting better. Definitely. Yeah. Nah, good, 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 good. Well, Maddie, we'll, uh, I guess, catch up again with the uh, Don father faithful or five of them. Similar time next week. We're playing next Sunday at Marvel, so hopefully we'll we'll get this episode out Monday or Tuesday next week. Um, and I guess there's not much more to say, is there? There is nothing more for us to say, really, apart from go bombers. And uh, yeah, where are we? We're level one. We're back to level one, are we? Level two. Level two. Oh. So if you're on level two, come and look for us. Say good day. Yeah. Follow. Oh, you got to uh, do the media. Oh yeah. Follow yeah, us on yeah. what. The Instapods, the um, Apple Grams, all that thing. Give us a five sausage review. TikTok us. Uh, send us a tweet. Um, email. Write, Kick. write us an email. Kick chat. Uh, ICQ Messenger. <laughs> yeah. Nah, on a serious note, we're, uh, what are we on? We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. The Don Father on Instagram as uh, the Don Father Pod, mm. and I think that's it. I think and and uh, our media manager Danny posts in uh, a few of the Facebook Essendon supporter groups. So yes, uh, or as we like to call them, 
the Nuffy groups, which in which uh, we're, we are we're all, actually. I mean, we're we're a part of them, so we're as Nuffy. We're chief anyway. Nuffs. We're chief Nuffs. <laughs> we're, we're king of them. I think we yeah. are the absolute definition of a footy Nuffy. Yeah, yeah. No, we are. We are. I mean, we're here talking uh, to each other over a, over the game and airing our thoughts and and thinking that anyone actually wants to uh, hear our opinions. So that's right. Doesn't get that's much right. more Nuffy than that. Not at all. Not at all. No. Well. Like we said, follow us on socials, get to the game, come say good day, and I guess until next time, go Dons. Go the Dons. <laughs> <laughs>